Welcome to the Soft Verbal Podcast presented by Dead Soxie. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCready and featuring Zach Barry of Red Cup Rebellion, the Soft Verbal Podcast is your number one podcast dedicated to Ole Miss football and basketball recruiting. Featuring guests from throughout the Rivals.com network, the Soft Verbal Podcast tells you what is happening and what's going to happen on the recruiting trail. And it does it in style, just like Dead Soxie. Visit DeadSoxie.com and enter promo code RebelGrove at checkout for 30% off your order of the best dress socks you'll ever wear. Now... Here's your host, Neil McCready. Welcome into another edition of the Soft Verbal Podcast presented by Dead Soxy. I'm your host, Neil McCready. Today on the show, we're going to talk about the different coaches that are out there that we know of, how that might impact recruiting, kind of what we think as it pertains to recruiting, because quite frankly, this would have been a week that we would have been talking about a whole bunch of official visits coming to Oxford this weekend. That number has gone from somewhere between 18 and 25 to zero coming in this weekend. No recruits coming in this weekend, a coaching search going on at Ole Miss. So um, we'll talk about that in a little bit, my good friend. And you've come to expect him here. Zach Barry, the co-host of the show, is with us as well. We're going to get to Zach and all the recruiting, coaching stuff in just a minute. First, let me tell you, it's transition time at Dead Soxy. After their biggest sale ever, they've gone back to the drawing board to bring you new offerings for Christmas. Don't worry, no committees, no national searches. They have this in the bags. Enter 30% off all your orders with promo code REBELGROVE. Make sure to get the stocking stuffer he or she will love. 30% off all items, including already deep discounted sale items. And as always, stay soxy. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900. Call that number. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. You get the quote and the rest is up to you. But here's what I can tell you. Corey wants to be your car guy. He wants to be your truck guy. He will prove that to you from the moment you make that call long after you pull off the lot there at Clark Ford. 662-257-1900. Zachary, how are you, sir? Neil, I would like to put out a request. Okay. To ev- to everyone that said that I was intentionally trying to hurt the program and was, I think someone said I was sabotaging recruiting with the column I wrote about Matt Luke. So are they beating down the door at, at, at Keith Carter's house saying that he's doing the same thing since he literally fired Matt Luke? I'm just trying to make sure I have this straight. There, there are some people who are upset about it. Um, I don't know that they are beating down his his door proverbially or literally or otherwise. Um, but no, you know, here was the thing, and and I'm I'm on record here. I really like Matt Luke. Nice person. I think he's a good coach. I think he struggled with message with fans. I told people that over there. I think some people really let him down from a messaging standpoint. Maybe they tried and it just didn't work. I don't think his message ever resonated with fans. I thought it was cliche and corny and it wasn't genuine enough. And I don't think that's who he is because he's a very genuine guy. Um, here's the thing. It's a scoreboard business. And when you don't win enough games, people begin to turn on you. People begin to notice the flaws. People begin to think this isn't going to work. You were one of those people. I think I'm safe in calling you an Ole Miss fan. I think you would agree that you are a, a big Ole Miss fan who wants them to yeah. who wants them to win, who wants them to do well. Absolutely. It was interesting to me in that dynamic, and we never really talked about it because we never got a chance. I, it was actually something I planned to talk about on this show. You were, you had turned the page. You're like, it's not going to work. I'm done. It's not going to work. It's just not going to work. I, and I'm not an Ole Miss fan. I'm not. I mean, I know I went to school at Ole Miss. I get it. I know the people in Starkville refuse to believe this. I'm not. I like Ole Miss. I had a good experience. It wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. It was fine. Um, it's fine. I, I uh, It's fine. You know, I've covered them now for a long time. I've had positive experiences. I've had negative experiences. Um, 
it's fine. I, I don't have any ill will towards Ole Miss whatsoever. In fact, not, not that at all. But I don't have some overwhelming affection for it either. I'm just being completely honest. Um, you know, my, my oldest daughter is not going there. I, I thought for the longest time my middle child would go there. I don't think she's going there. It just doesn't really, Ole Miss, for whatever reason, doesn't really resonate with us. Sometimes Carson, for whatever reason, will refer to Ole Miss as we. And we will laugh at him and kind of say, are you going to Ole Miss? And he's like, nope, I'm going to a Big Ten school. He's 13. We'll see. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, if, if we're not I'm, we're not prepared to talk about Carson's college recruiting yet because I'm sure as hell not prepared to pay for it. Um, anyway. Hey, hey, just get it. Let me know when he starts saying as a Medill grad and then we can uh, we can get serious. Yeah. Ooh, boy. <laughs> I'll have to start selling some plasma. Um, so <laughs> what I found interesting was that my stance on Matt Luke Really, up until the moment that he was fired, my stance on on Matt Luke was give him another year. Let them finish this recruiting class. Let them build another foundational class. And if it doesn't work out next year, and work out meaning seven wins, then move on. And I found it interesting that the guy who really doesn't have any heartstrings to it was that way, and yet the fan, and you're a fan, and that's and that's fine. There's nothing in the world wrong. Before anybody goes, oh, Neil hates fans. Nope, nope, nope. Nothing in the world wrong with fandom. I make my living off of fans. I'm glad there are fans. So let me get that out. I found it interesting that you, as a fan, and a youngish guy, just had a child, just had your first child, you and your wife, congratulations, hope he's uh, doing well, you said no. This isn't. This isn't working. This doesn't do it for me. And I knew at that point. I remember thinking that's interesting, because if they're keeping the people like me on board, and they can't keep the people like Zach on board, they have a problem. And then when Thursday night happened, the way that Thursday night happened, I can remember getting through with that podcast at one something in the morning. And kind of looking at my phone, at the text that had come in and stuff. And the t- tide had turned. And I thought of you, Zach, because so many people who are like you, funny guys, kind of good, good guys, Ole Miss fans, young, they were done. They were done. The word that was kept using was, I'm done, I'm finished. When it's over, I'll come back. I'm not done forever, but I'm done with this. This isn't working for me. I'm going to move on to do something else. One guy was like, you know, my wife's going to kill me if I if I keep obsessing over this. I'm just going to wait till they bring in the next guy. And at that point, frankly, when nothing happened Friday, I was a little surprised. But then when the buzz started on Saturday, and I remember telling you this as we talked, you and I communicated a lot Saturday night, Sunday, and I kept telling you, man, I don't know, I don't know. And then all of a sudden, oh yep, it's happening. And I'm not surprised. And I hate I hate it for Matt. I hate it for the, some of the people over there. Um, it's no secret that I'm good friends with Tyler Siski. I think Tyler's awesome at what he does. I'm a big fan of his. I, I think he'll land on his feet no problem at all. He's a wonderful guy. works his ass off for Ole Miss. I know this has been a difficult time. It's part of the business, but that doesn't change the fact that it's always hard to lose your job and all that stuff. But I wasn't surprised when it happened the way it happened because of the fact that people like you had already kind of given it up. And I mean, yeah, you can't say any better than that. I mean, I'm, you know, grew up an Ole Miss fan, went to school there, quote unquote, cover the school for Red Cup. I work with you guys now. I'll say this: talking about if they've if they've lost people like me, uh, a little cross promotional shout out here. My my two co hosts on my podcast are humongous rebels. Both grew up in it. Um, one of my co hosts, Nick probably road rebs more than anyone for every sport and being the other one same thing goes to every home game has season tickets lives in oxford they both live in oxford both of them were absolutely done i mean at halftime of the egg bowl they were literally like i'm done like i'm you know probably not getting season tickets next year i'm going to focus on basketball Please, God, can Mike Bianco do something in baseball? I mean, they were done with football. Yeah. And that's that's where it's scary. That's where it's – I think that's where it got real for Keith Carter 
And for Glenn Boyce, I, I don't know if it got real for him. I, who knows? But I think Keith finally realized, like, shit, like, we're in trouble. I think, you know what happened, Zach, is I think also people looked at the schedule next season. We've belabored the point. but it's, Oh, yeah. It's Baylor. The first seven games, five are against Baylor, Auburn, LSU, Alabama, Florida. Those five schools, those five teams this season going into this week's weekend's championship game between LSU and Georgia, those those five schools are a combined 52-8. and eight. Now, I know they lose people, and LSU loses people, and Bama loses to a, and all. I get it. But all of those teams aren't going to suck next year. I mean, that's not, that's not going to happen. No. And, and so, in fact, the much better bet is that all five of those teams will be really, really good next season. And so I think people looked at the schedule and said, you know, if you start two and five, or God forbid, one and six, it's going, oh. it's going to be a death march starting about the 1st of October for two months. And I don't know that from a morale standpoint, from a continuity standpoint, from just staying solvent, I don't know that that was a, an option. And I think when they realized, and this is me guessing, no one's told me this, but I think when they realized that that option, that I always talk about, you know, what's on the menu, that that entree was definitely on the menu. Now, there was an entree where they win a couple of those games and people get excited and stuff, That where they win one of those games and they're treading water and they get hot late and all that. But I don't think they wanted to do the thing where you have to fire Matt midseason, hire an interim coach. He wins a couple. Because you could see it coming, quite frankly, if we're honest, and I don't want to get into a, a war of words with other people. But the narrative had already kind of started in the, the, the drum beats of, well, they could promote Mike McIntyre. And if Mike won some of those games late well he's got head coaching experience uh -huh. and i thought boy that's where this thing's headed if that's where it goes and that is not going to be fun and not about fun to cover because nobody cares whether our jobs are fun or not they really don't and that's cool i don't I, frankly i don't care if your job's fun so you don't have to care if my job's fun i get it that's cool but it wasn't going to be a fun time for fans either it's like oh so what are we doing no. you know i mean where the fans go all right, Mike McIntyre beat Georgia Southern, so do we promote him? <laughs> Mike McIntyre went to Fayetteville and he beat Arkansas. They're three and seven. Do we promote him? Hey, Mike McIntyre won the Egg Bowl and State just fired Joe Moorhead, so do we promote him? That wasn't going to be a fun storyline, man. And I just think people, I think they looked at it, Zach, and they said, you know what? Right or wrong, that's what we're about to get into. Because from a from a recruiting standpoint, they run the risk, a real risk, of taking a step back from what was going to be a solid class to a transition class. If they don't get this high right, it's going to be a step back. It might be a step and a half back. And you know, this is a segue into what we we're going to talk about with the different candidates and how they affect recruiting. But going back to what you said about McIntyre, it just doesn't excite a fan base. Mike McIntyre is a fantastic coach. What he did with that defense this year was a miracle. But he's not going to resonate with a fan base. He's not going to put butts in seats. He's not going to sell tickets. He's not going to get people like me that are on the fence, one leg over, done with Ole Miss football. They're not going to come back over to the other side. It just doesn't do it. So let's talk about some of the candidates that are out there. It's uh, As we tape this, it's Wednesday. It's 1034 Central Standard Time. So if you hear this Wednesday night or Thursday morning and something has happened, forgive us. <laughs> um, and I don't think it will. I think, we're, I think we're safe. But you never know. And if that happens, then you can just get a giggle and pour you a glass of vodka or bourbon or whatever and laugh at Neil and Zach being idiots and wasting an hour of their time. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about the lead candidate, and I am absolutely convinced that Mike Norvell is the lead candidate. I think if Keith Carter could get his man, Mike Norvell is that man. I believe that. I don't know whether Keith Carter can or cannot get Mike Norvell. I tend to believe that he probably cannot, but I'm not willing to bet against him. 
Uh, I think Ole Miss can and will make a very strong competitive offer, and I think it's possible, not likely, but possible that Ole Miss gets Mike Norvell. If Ole Miss gets Mike Norvell, what would that mean in recruiting Zach Barry? The first thing that's obvious is Memphis. He's coached in Memphis for four years. He's recruited the city. He hasn't snagged any blue chips that come out of Memphis because Tennessee usually gets them. Ole Miss has, you know, been in the mix. They haven't gotten them. But other schools, if, if they're good enough, they're going to come in and get them. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, it's Memphis. But he is familiar with the territory, and he's also familiar with the state of Mississippi and the high school coaches, the junior college coaches in the state. But the one thing that jumps out to me about Mike Norvell and this isn't me guaranteeing that this would happen, but, and I know that, I think on the show the other day, y'all talked about coaching trees being kind of funny, but listen to these guys that have coached with Mike Norvell. Chip Long, who's the OC at Notre Dame. Marcus Woodson, this is an important one. Marcus Woodson, who's now the safeties coach and recruiting coordinator at Auburn. Dan Lanning, who's the DC at Georgia. Daryl Dickey, the OC at A&M. Will Hall, the OC at Tulane, Joe Lorig, special teams coordinator at Penn State, Chris Ball, head coach at Northern Arizona, Kenny Dillingham, offensive coordinator at Auburn, and Paul Randolph, the D-line coach at Texas Tech. So maybe he can get one or two of those guys to join his staff at Ole Miss. Not saying it'll happen, maybe, but if not, he can obviously identify coaching talent as well as recruiting talent. Those guys are all more than capable of recruiters, and I think that Mike Norvell as the Ole Miss coach, would not only be able to bring a lot of momentum, a lot of hype. Because, look, I looking at this weekend, if he wins the AAC, beats Luke Fickle two weeks in a row, finishes 12-1, and one, outside of Joe Burrow, is there anybody that's a hotter name in college football right now? No. No. I, it's, it's And it's why when people tell me, Zach, that, oh, he's made up his mind, he's just playing games, I'm telling you, I'm talking to people that are very close to Norvell. And he is locked in on Saturday. He knows what it means to his resume. I'm sure he knows what it means to his kids. Being able to be the coach that not only wins the AAC, but takes Memphis to the Cotton Bowl. Mm -hmm. The Cotton Bowl. Not the Bahamas Bowl. Not the Liberty Bowl. Not the Poulan Weed Eater Weed Whacker Toyota Sienna Bowl. Serve Pro First Responders Bowl. The Cotton Bowl. It's a big deal. In Jerry World. In a game that people, I, that people watch against a team like Alabama or Auburn. Ooh. People would watch that game. Being able Put some to, eyeballs on there. Being able to, to take that team to that game. And I know for a fact, by the way, before this even gets started, he absolutely intends to coach that game. And I think Memphis will let him, and in fact, this is something I have yet to write, and so I'm going to say it here. I think it's one of the things that factors in uh, Florida State's favor. I think Memphis would be far more willing to stomach the Florida State coach coaching their team one last time (laughs) as the Florida State coach than it would be as the Ole Miss coach. And look, I've been critical of the guy over the years. He's been a great coach at Memphis, but he has never won the big game. This year, he has won all his big games. Got college game day to Memphis for the first time ever, beat SMU. Played Cincinnati in a big-time look-ahead spot against Cincinnati when they're, they're going to play them again next week in the conference title game. Whipped them. He's won every big game. He wants to win this title game to put a stamp on his, you know, what could be his final year in Memphis and get them to that New Year's Six. Well, it is his final year in Memphis. This is this is it. He's going well, he's going to make a decision <laughs> this weekend and staying at Memphis is probably no longer on his menu. It's, it's you don't you don't stay there. It's no, like you the, don't. You it's don't. like what it's like what Godfrey said. Like you don't go to an AAC school. That's not a destination job, all due respect. Like you're wanting to get a bigger that's what coaches do. They want a challenge. They want the next step. They want to be able to say that they got there. He's got at least two SEC offers that are coming his way this weekend, Ole Miss and Arkansas. 
and and he's got a Florida State offer that appears to be coming his way. He's not going to turn all three of those down and say, and he might have another one. Hell, Missouri hasn't done anything yet, although there is a lot of Jim McElwain smoke. But regardless, he, he's going to have opportunities. He's not going to turn them all down. He's just not. It makes no sense to come back to Memphis and then yeah. something something goes wrong and your quarterback gets hurt and before you know it, you're you're seven and five and now nobody wants you. That that nope, you go. So you can't you can't miss your window. Yeah, this is this is his this is his only window. This is it, and he's he's going to go assuming he can. Yeah, he's going to go and. Uh, I think he's everyone's choice one. I think he's the domino that has to fall first. So for the sake of where we're going to continue, because if obviously he says yes, then it's over, and Mike Norvell's the coach at Ole Miss, and there's a press conference sometime Monday, and and, uh, away we go. Let's, for the sake of this argument, say that Mike Norvell takes the Florida State job, which I think is, if you're betting, that's the safe bet. Mike Norvell takes the Florida State job, Let's go down the rest of Ole Miss's list, and I don't know that there's in any particular order. I know who you and I would would hire if we were the AD. I do not anticipate. <laughs> I do not anticipate being Ole Miss's AD this weekend, and I do not anticipate. No offense, I don't want to break your heart. I don't think you're going to be the AD at Ole Miss this weekend either. Mm. So you and I are not going to make this decision. If it were you and I, we would both hire Lane Kiffin. What would Lane Kiffin mean to recruiting at Ole Miss, Zach? This is the most, no, my opinion, your opinion as well. This is the most, like, the easiest no-brainer that I've ever seen. He is a national name that has won at not one, but two Power Five schools. And look, you can make all the jokes you want about how he left Southern Cal, how he left Tennessee. He still won. He took a Tennessee team that was, a train wreck under Philip Fulmer when he was just cashing checks at the end of his career. Won seven games. Was going to beat Alabama, and then Terrence Cody, his left arm happened. Took um, number one Florida down to the fourth quarter. Almost beat Auburn. Beat a top 25 South Carolina. He's won. But in terms of recruiting, this is the easiest hire that Keith Carter will ever make. And I said it on the board. I said that and it was in, um, y'all mentioned it on, on today's pod, Dylan Edwards started a thread about how Lane Kiffin is not really a risk. And I said that, in my opinion, not hiring Lane Kiffin is the bigger risk than hiring him. Because I said Ole Miss needs Lane Kiffin, and Lane Kiffin needs Ole Miss. But for recruiting, I mean, he's he's worked at Southern Cal, he's worked at Alabama, he's worked at Tennessee, he was an NFL coach, he knows junior college coaches in the area. I mean, he's got Clint Trickett on his staff that worked at EMCC. He he has connections everywhere. We talked about the staff that, um, or I guess the guys that have worked under Mike Norvell, the guys that have worked under Lane Kiffin. I mean, it's it's insane. I mean, his Lance Thompson's on his staff right now. Lance Thompson has been around the block and then some in recruiting. He's had Jim Chaney on his staff. He's had Ed Orgeron, Frank Wilson, James Gregg. I mean, these are these are guys that have been around the block in recruiting that know their way around the country when it comes to getting in the living room and talking to young kids. Lane Kiffin immediately makes you relevant. He immediately puts you on the map nationally, and he's going to excite a fan base. He's going to excite recruits. You said it this morning. He could probably get any four or five star on the phone get them interested in Ole Miss. And I've always said you just follow the visits. It's not, you know, you got to get them on campus or you don't have a shot. He's going to get people on campus. It's, I don't know, we could we could do a whole episode about Lane Kiffin and how much sense it makes. He is, he's just, that's it. I mean, look at the, the way he turned Blake Sims from a backup running back into a quarterback at Alabama that took him to the College World Playoff semifinal game. Nobody wants to hear me rant again. I've already done the rant once. I'll, I'll summarize it. In two I mean, minutes. I would love it. <laughs> he, Ole Miss loves to talk about fit. I, I hear that. Mm-hmm. A, I hear that a lot. <clears throat> I hear, man, Kermit Davis was a perfect fit for Ole Miss, and he was, and he is. Cool. Get it. You want to talk about fit? Okay, let's talk about fit. Who fits better? I mean. From a fit standpoint, in my opinion, 
Kiffin's a better fit than Norvell. Now, Norvell is probably a safer choice. Probably a higher floor. Going to cost more, too, by the way. Norvell's going to – let me just tell you, if Mm -hmm. if Ole Miss is going to get Mike Norvell, it's a $5 million deal. I'm just telling you, right now, maybe more. Lane Kiffin's not going to cost that. Although, I'll give Sexton credit. I think he might be creating a a bidding war. Because if Norvell – here's the thing. If if Norvell goes to Ole Miss or goes to Arkansas for some reason, Lane Kiffin's a candidate at Florida State immediately. Mm Mm-hmm. Like that, and he's, already, and he's already in that state. Yeah, that moment, he's a candidate at Florida State. Um. Anyway, Kiffin's a fit. He's a big time fit. He 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 makes you all the things you just said. And then this is the part that I keep coming back to. Everybody goes, "Well, boy, he's a lot of risk." My answer to that is, risk of what? I mean, out of curiosity, like, well, he really likes women. Okay, I really like women. Who doesn't? Okay, well, he, he, uh, you know, he's not married. Okay, so if he dates around, he's not cheating on his wife. He's just dating. Okay. I mean, you can put clauses in the contract that essentially says, hey, you know you can't date college girls, right? You, you, you know you can't, right? You got that? Mm-hmm. You, you got to be a grown-up. Lane Kiffin also knows, I'm 44. If I butcher this opportunity, whether it's in Fayetteville or Oxford or Tallahassee. If I butcher this opportunity, I'm never getting another one. I'm done. I'm done. Yes, you don't exactly. To, yeah. So I I, 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 I was told by someone very close to him and no, it's not Chris Kiffin. So people that people that think <laughs> my source on this is Chris Kiffin. I've not talked. The last time I talked to Chris Kiffin was at the NCAA hearing in Covington, Ohio, so that would have been late September of 2017. Oh, okay. I've not talked to Chris since then. Um, I like Chris. I hope he's doing well. I know he's. With you haven't sat. You haven't sat down on his couch with him anytime. Like I have not. I've not sat on okay. his couch, slept on his or couch, or slept. Nope, okay. I have not. I hope he's doing well, though. I like Chris, and I'm glad he's with the Niners. The Niners are playing really good football, and and hey, his, his D line's good. Yeah, I hope I hope it works out for Chris in in San Francisco or wh- wherever he goes. Uh, for the record, I don't think he'd be part of, of his brother's staff at Ole Miss. I really don't. Um, but I haven't talked to him. But I have talked to someone who's very close to Lane Kiffin who said he's really grown up a lot in the last two years at Boca. He, he knew he knew he made a mistake in Tuscaloosa, kind of kind of embarrassed him a little bit. And since then, he's been, been a pretty good citizen. He knows that whether it's Arkansas or Ole Miss or Florida State or wherever, if he gets a Power 5 opportunity, this is it. He's got to make the most of it or else you'll never get another one. This is it. So my gut feeling is that he wouldn't embarrass you. But here's my question. After the last five years, what what, what could possibly happen that could be worse? <laughs> you had a coach with a university phone. I mean, a phone given to him by the school. Hugh Freeze was, was a national joke. He was a national punchline. And I'm not picking on Hugh Freeze. I know he did really good things at Ole Miss, but you cannot deny the way that it ended. That's how it ended. Would you like to say that was not embarrassing? Of course it was embarrassing. So you had that happen. Then you had NCAA sanctions where the media basically accused the former athletics director of lying to them. That was embarrassing. Mm Mm-hmm. Then you hired Matt Luke at the end of a search that was supposed to be a national search, and you hired the offensive line coach from Hugh Freeze's staff. That was embarrassing. He came in, and God bless him, he worked really hard. It didn't work out. And his final moment as Ole Miss's head coach was their star wide receiver fake peeing in the end zone to give him a 15-yard penalty (laughs) that led to a missed extra point. And while that extra point is being missed, the tone-deaf star wide receiver is strutting around on the sideline with an NWO belt on a team that runs the football 90% of the time. That was the end of how it ended. That's embarrassing. You were the laughing stock. Ole Miss was on Saturday morning of rivalry weekend, and your game had been over for 36 hours. Mm-hmm. You literally were a GIF. It can't get worse. Why not go for it now? 
it made it made the Russian sports news. It it can't get worse. So that's my thing is when people go, well, boy, you know, really scared about an embarrassing situation. You mean another one? What what do you mean? I mean, what 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 could he possibly do that would be worse? I'll I'll tell you this. Neil, I mean, and this I, is kind I, of. I mean, let's come up with a scenario just real quick before you tell me what you're going to tell me. What what, what scenario would be worse? <laughs> I legit have no idea. I mean, I do not know. I mean, I guess passed out in like a a a, a Walter White moment <laughs> somewhere in the desert. I, I mean, I I, I I just I'm I'm be honest. I'm I'm, I'm mind boggled by that one. And then when people go, well, you know, you got to remember now, you know, Oxford is is very conservative, and Oxford's whatever. I'm like, no, number one, no, it's not. Nah, no, it's not. And, yeah, no. And, and number two, he's a football coach. I mean, it'd be one thing if you're talking about, hey, let's hire the minister for North Oxford Baptist Church. Probably ought to have a little, clean, <laughs> probably ought to have a little cleaner background than Kiffin. Yeah, but we're talking about a football coach, man. These are not Boy Scouts. Anyway, I'm, I'm ranting again. I'll stop. Yeah. Well, my, my thing was, okay, so people, you know, everybody wants to compete with the Bamas, the LSUs, the Auburns, the A&Ms. Okay, if you want to compete with them, look, you hire this guy. Because I tell you one damn thing, Lane Kiffin ain't kicking a field goal inside the 10-yard line on fourth down. Lane Kiffin's not going to back down from Nick Saban. He's not going to care – what Ed Orgeron says that needs subtitles in his post his pregame speech. He's not going to be worried about Gus Malzahn's trick plays and Jimbo Fisher's reading glasses. I mean, th- this is a guy that's that that does not care in a good way. He's fearless. And in talking about you know, oh well, what if he screws up? Okay, well you put some language in his contract in his buyout, and if he does, guess what? He's done. He's gone. Then you just hire somebody else. But, I mean, this is a guy that fits Ole Miss because, look, Ole Miss can never be Alabama. They can never be uh-uh. Georgia. Uh-uh. They can never be A&M. It's just, it's just not feasible. But he looks like the cat in the grove, right, with the good hair, and he's got the – he's gonna, Yeah, he wears the visor. He wears his visor. He's got his aviators. He dresses nice. I mean – But he's – He literally he, looks – He's he, the he, perfect – He's the perfect underdog candidate. He loves playing the underdog. I know. And he loves shoving it in your face when he beats you. Uh, he's To me, it's just a – to me, this is so simple. That's it really is. It's, I, I offer the job to Norvell, and if he takes it, great. Absolutely. If I can get Mike yeah, – if, if I can get – Would be a great hire. If I can, oh, yeah, it's a home run hire. If I can get Mike Norvell, I get Mike Norvell. Cool. Awesome. If I can't get Mike Norvell, I, I get Lane Kiffin. I'm done. All right, let's say that we're obviously we're not the AD. Okay. We don't get to make this call. What does Billy Napier do for you? What does Will Healy do for you? Uh, before you hey and before you answer those questions, I'll give you a moment to think. Okay. I'll give you a moment to think about uh, your answers. Right. This podcast is also brought to you by the Refrigeration Company, TRC, owned and operated by Jeremy Watler. He's been in the refrigeration field for more than twenty years, including five as a national service manager. At TRC, they understand that great service means being responsive. They're highly trained, responsible, and dedicated staff available 24-7 to ensure your complete satisfaction. They specialize in ammonia refrigeration, but they work on any other HFCH, CFC, or CO2 systems. They're building winning relationships with customers in baking, cold storage warehouses, ice production facilities, and facilities serving dairy, food, poultry, and catfish processing. They're based in Spanish Fort, Alabama, but they're licensed in Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Tennessee, and South Carolina as well. They can handle all of your company's refrigeration needs, including installation, fabrication service, compressor rebuilds, ammonia detection, calibration, vibration, analysis, and more. To learn more, call Jeremy Watler at 251-348-8533 or email him at jeremy at com. Also brought to you by Elite Dental Care with offices throughout West Tennessee. In Germantown, Jackson, and Trenton, Elite Dental Care has five doctors with more than 75 years of combined experience and with their different areas of expertise. The doctors at Elite Dental Care offer convenience along with the latest in technology. In addition, Elite Dental Care is a family practice so the entire family can be seen, 
no matter age or severity of problems. They focus on staying up to date on all the latest technologies, including intraoral cameras, digital x-rays and impressions, 3D x-rays and more. Uh, they offer both conscious sedation and IV sedation for patients that are anxious or scared or for those that might not be fearful but just have a lot of work to do and can't afford to take time off work for multiple visits. Um, if you're looking for a dentist in West Tennessee or the Memphis area, call Dr. Mark Harper, Dr. Clint Buchanan, and Dr. Mike Farah at Elite Dental Care. Go to EliteDentalCare.com. We're also brought to you by the College Corner. It's your one-stop Rebel Shop now with two locations in the Jackson area in Ridgeland next to Fleet Feet and the new location in Flowood next to Half Shell. If you don't live in Jackson, it's not a problem. Visit them online, collegecornerstore.com, plus Facebook and Instagram. What you want to do, it's uh, it's Christmas time. makes a perfect gift. Go to collegecornerstore.com. Mention Rebel Grove at checkout. Get 15% off your entire purchase. Just enter Rebel Grove in the coupon tab at checkout to get the 15% discount. All right, Zach, I gave you time to do your homework. What, what, what are your answers? Before, and people are probably going to scream at their car, radio, phone, whatever they're listening to. For whatever reason, Neil, I just, Billy Napier does not really do it for me. I think he's a really good coach, and he's done a fantastic job at ULL this season, but for whatever reason, he just doesn't, he just doesn't move the needle for me, and I don't think he'll move the needle for the fan base, but in terms of recruiting, you know, he's worked under Nick Saban, he was Davo Sweeney's first offensive coordinator. I think he certainly knows people in the business. I think he would be able to put together a pretty decent staff um, if a certain defensive coordinator in the SEC who is really underwhelmed this season gets canned, he would probably jump at bringing him on. Um, and that coordinator that I'm referencing was uh, pretty high on Ole Miss's board uh, sometime last season for a coordinator position. But with yes. that said, I, I I think he would recruit well. And I'm trying to separate the recruiter from the head coach because I'm I'm looking in terms of dollars and cents and and energizing a fan base and all that. But I think he would be a really good uh, recruiter. I think he'd be able to put together a pretty good staff. I know that. You've talked to people, and I've talked to people that say that uh, in coaching circles, he is very well respected and very well liked. I think people uh, think that he uh, is a pleasure to work with. Some coaches are not a pleasure to work with. I think people like working for Billy Napier, and I think that he would do well. And then, um, well, Healy, kind of the same thing. I, I hear a lot of the same thoughts on him as a future star he is a guy who players love he is super young energetic you know you use the term new age he does all kinds of stuff i mean he he, he makes celebrations mandatory in practice when players make plays uh he i don't know if you've seen it but he has the club lit thing that he does in the locker room yeah um, I mean, he did the Scuba Steve thing this week. Um, they did another thing where they were dancing in the locker room, had like a light show and stuff. I mean, he's he's doing all the right things. Um, again, trying to separate the coach from the recruiter. I, for me, it scares me for a coach to be cutting his teeth in the SEC West. I think he eventually is going to be a fantastic coach, whether that's in the SEC, Big 12, Pac-12, whatever. Recruiter, I'm still not sure. We talked about what he did with Austin P. Took them from 60 total recruits in a year to 800. So he certainly has an idea of how to recruit. Um, just assembling a staff and doing all that. Recruiting in the SEC West. Going head-to-head -head with Saban, Kirby Smart, um, Gus Malzahn, his staff, Jimbo. I mean, I'm not so sure how he'll be able to handle that. Maybe he knocks it out of the park. Maybe he resonates with young kids yeah. like crazy. And Ole Miss recruits well and, and consistently gets top 25 classes. As a recruiter, though, if you're comparing him to the other people that we've discussed, I don't think his, his ceiling is as high recruiting-wise. But I think he's a fantastic coach. I mean, what he's done at Charlotte is – is amazing yeah you know the two things the because i've 
I know I've spent a lot of my time lobbying for Lane Kiffin, but 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 I've also done some digging on the other guys too. And and what people tell me about Napier is, one person said who knows a lot of these people. I, I do know a lot of coaches, and that helps because um, I've kind of covered different people at different places. And believe it or not, not everyone hates me. And and uh, some of the coaches say Napier's a sure thing, man. He's really steady. You know, in a in a profession where people have vices, Billy Napier's vice is that he really loves winning to the point that he hates losing. That's a good thing. I like that. Um, Napier isn't as polished, probably, as Norvell, as Kiffin, as maybe even Healy, who's only 34 years old. But, you know, I've had people tell me throughout this, hey, Napier makes a ton of sense, man. Makes a ton of sense. And I had someone just today said he'd, he, would, he would walk to Oxford from Lafayette, which is a hell of a walk. I mean, I'll tell you this. If he's going to walk to Oxford, he's not going to be able to get any recruiting done. Um, gonna, <laughs> gonna, yeah, it's just not going to work. But anyway, I, you know what they mean. I mean, really wants the job, would dive right in, would really hit it hard. Um, Healy is – I said this this morning. I'm trying not to be repetitive. He's 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 the guy that every time you talk to people about Will Healy, you hear the same thing. Oh, man, he's going to be a rock star. He's a rock star. He's going to be a superstar. And so on one hand, you say, well, then why don't you get the superstar before he's quite the superstar and let him become a superstar at your place? And I get that. The risk is, what if he's just not quite ready? He's been at Austin P. did great there. And apparently, and I know nothing about Austin P. I'm told it's a really hard place to win, and he won. He's mm-hmm. been, he's been at Charlotte, which is an infant. I mean, just an a, just a swaddling infant in diapers, and he's taken it to the Bahamas Bowl. What does that mean? Oh, I've I've told I, being up here around Austin P. and and being close to Clarksville and talking with people, they said that him winning eight games at Austin P. was almost the equivalent of winning a national title. Yeah, I've heard because they are they are historically bad. Yeah, I've heard similar things that you can't win there, and he did. I know that he knows a lot of people, and everyone who knows him raves about him. With the handful of a few coaches who are like, hey man, that dude's really new age. I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know how that goes over in the SEC. I don't know how that goes over with elite SEC athletes. And I'm like, what do you mean? And someone said, all right, I'll tell you what I mean. When you're at a place like Austin P. The kids who were there, they didn't have a lot of options. They almost have no choice but to buy in, right? I mean, they're just playing. Mm-hmm. They're not elite guys. They didn't choose Austin P over Notre Dame, for example. Right. They're, they're not, those are not the kids who were high school players who had their ass kissed. Those were not the high school player who their families were contacted and said, hey, you know, what do we got to do to make this work? No, those are just kids that chose football. And a coach comes in and he says, work hard. And they say, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. And he says, buy in. And they say, yes, sir. And then they become this almost like a remember the Titans sort of a deal. You know what I mean? It's just all team, mm-hmm. and team, team, team. I get it. Well, the same thing's kind of at Charlotte. And maybe Charlotte will one day become a national power. But today, Charlotte's not a national power. Charlotte's not going head-to-head with Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, Tennessee, uh, you know, uh, Florida, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, LSU for recruits. Charlotte's going up against, hell, I don't know, for recruits. And so they're getting the same kind of kid, the kid that is more apt to go when the coach says, hey, it's what I need you to do. Yes, sir. I need you to change positions. Yes, sir. I need need you to buy in. Yes, sir. I need you to just blood, sweat, tears for this team. Yes, sir. And, And all that stuff's great, man, but that's not what the SEC is. Mm-hmm. To win in this league, you got to recruit some of the prima donnas, and getting them, yep. you got to get them to buy in, and you got to get them to buy in on your kind of new age stuff and stuff. And, I, and maybe they will. I'm not saying they won't, but it's the one thing that you don't know. Can you get those kinds of players to a sign with you, and b do your thing? And I don't know that the answer's no, but I don't know that the answer's yes. Can can Mike Norvell get those players? Yep. Can Lane Kiffin get those players? Absolutely. Can Billy Napier get those players? He's gotten them before. Can Will Healy? I don't know. And then there's the Brian. I'll, I'll tell you this, yeah. Neil. I'll tell you this real quick. I, talking about recruiting and being able to 
convince kids. There was a specific recruit that was in Nashville, Brentwood Academy, quarterback. His name was Jeremiah Oatsfall. He had uh, Power 5 offers to play basketball, and Will Healy convinced him to come to Austin P and play football. That right there, that's a, that, that's a salesman. Yeah, no, and, I, I know he's good. I know he's really good. And and listen, he might end up being the guy, and he might knock it out of the park. I know Keith Carter likes him. I've heard that from a number of people. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just saying, you know, on the risk-reward thing, there's risk there. So when people oh, – I go back to the Kiffin thing for just a minute. People go, boy, he's risky. Yeah, so is Healy. Mm-hmm. So, so is Napier. I mean yeah. – Napier's only coach for two seasons in in college football. There's risk. The guy guy that's the most proven coach that's on the list and how serious he is on the list, I don't really know. Um, The guy who's the most proven is Brian Harson, probably. I mean, he's been at Boise State for a long time. He was at Arkansas State for I think a season. He's uh, you know he's been a head coach. Obviously, he's he, he knows what he's doing. Um, I hear that he has feels like he has plateaued at Boise, would like a Power 5 gig. I don't know whether he's truly interested in Ole Miss or not. Um, I don't know whether he's truly interested in Missouri or not. I don't, I don't know how much of that is, is, is real. I think it's pretty real. It is. Yeah. My question with Harson, and it's not a big one, frankly, because I think if you can win, you can win. I, I do wonder right off the bat, how long it would take him to assemble the type of staff that he would need just from a familiarity standpoint to get rolling in the SEC. Right. Yeah, if you want proven, he's it. Been at Boise State since 2014. Here we go. 12-2, 9-4, 10-3, 11-3, 10-3, 11-1. What more do you want? No, he's, he's, he's a good coach. I've heard, yeah. he's, I've heard he's kind of gruff. I've heard he can be... He's he's now on the mic. He's good. I don't know if you've ever seen him in post game yeah. or just talk. He's really good. Yeah, I, I, I'm told like booster clubs and stuff like that. He can get kind of gruff. Um, not his favorite part of it, and that's okay. I mean, you know, yeah. He was he was the OC for for Chris Peterson when they I think they went 61 and five when he was the OC. Yeah, he was the OC. Pretty good in the famous Fiesta Bowl. Yep. Coached, uh, he was an OC for uh, two seasons at Texas. So he's power five experience. He's probably recruited there. And if it's not Harson, if it's not one of those five names, I got to be honest with you, I don't know who it is. And if I if we get beat, we just get beat. I mean, I... Those are the five, Neil. I, I don't know who... They're not talking to anyone else. They're not planning, I don't think, to talk to anyone else. I mean, if they get past those five, then something went wrong. Do you hear any buzz at all on Graham Harrell? No, and I know that uh, y'all talk. Chase talked about his brother Dylan was really high on him. I don't know. I don't really know what I think about him. Now he's done a hell of a job this season with what their situation was at quarterback. Oh, absolutely. And he had a true freshman throw for the most yards ever in a game. When you've had guys like Carson Palmer, Matt Barkley, you've had Sam Darnold, you've had Mark Sanchez, and he beat them all as a true freshman. I mean, that's wild. He just—I don't think they're going to do a coordinator, Neil. That's just—and if they you want to talk about risky, that's risky. Yeah, and if you're going to do a coordinator, then what you're doing is you're doing the recruiting thing, and at that point, probably the guy that I hire is Pete Golding, and he's a little rough around the edges to be a head coach right now. Yeah, I, I not the—not the best—not the best, uh, not the best uh, season he's had. To, to you know. Yeah, they had injuries and stuff. Recency but, bias. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Well, yeah, it shows you—you you know when you, you strike when you're hot, and he's not quite as hot right now. Um. Yeah, I don't know. So it's it's interesting. It's it's just kind of a coaching searches are, are wild. Really, they're kind of fun rides, and you don't really know how they're going to end up. But, they are, but uh, we'll probably. It's, it's it's so fun right now because nothing is going to happen until Sunday. So right now, it's just a free for all. Yeah, I think something could happen sat- Saturday night at the earliest. I told Chase as he walked out today. I said, "Do not make Saturday night plans." <laughs> I mean. Don't don't, do don't go to St. Leo. No, no. You, you need to be you need to be ready to to jump. And I, mean, I don't I think it's Sunday into Monday. I had someone tell me who would know that Mike Norvell might not look at this until Sunday. Mike Norvell loves this team, and I respect that. Mike yeah, Nor- Mike Norvell too. loves this team. 
if this team wins the 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 game, he might spend the day celebrating with his team, with his coaches, with his family, with their families, with his players' families. He should. And he might not get to this until Sunday. And you know what? When the cards are all on your end of the table, you can play them how you want. And that's <laughs> if that's yeah. if that's what happens, I know people are going to start getting antsy. When I say people, I mean schools and agents and coaches and ads. But well, Neil, we talked about it before we started. And this is a recruiting podcast, so let's let, let's keep it one hundred here. If he leaves, if he takes a job, if he doesn't coach, if he you know if it goes public that he's been, how does that look in recruiting? That's going to be used. That'll be negative recruiting one hundred and one for people when of when course. He takes and a job. Frankly, it would be a bad reflection on him. Yeah, I no. Would, I mean, that would look terrible. I would look at that as a dad and say, "Wow, man, if you did that to my son's team, yeah, can't trust him. What would I think of you?" And and on the flip side, I, I swear I'm different from a lot of people. I know there will be people that get antsy on Saturday night if Memphis wins that championship and he celebrates all day with his family, with his fa- with his coaches. These coaches spend a lot of time together. If they all get together for some big celebratory dinner or whatnot and all of that, I, I don't have a problem with it. Kudos, man. Cheers. I mean, I, seriously, you know, and then and then if you told me that that's what happened, then on Sunday morning he woke up and uh, kissed his wife goodbye and said, I, here's my coffee, and he heads to the office and meets with his agent and says, or goes to a hotel room somewhere and meets with his agent and locks up in a conference room and says, let's, let's, let's get moving. If you told me that's what happened, I'd buy it. And then Sunday gets Sunday gets wild mm-hmm. because you know I do think this as we wrap up, and I think this applies to Norvell too. I mean to uh, Kiffin too. I do think before any school pulls the trigger on Mike Norvell, before any school pulls the trigger on Lane Kiffin, I do think the ads are going to want to sit face to face, eye to eye, and have a real conversation about stuff. And so mm-hmm. I, I do think it could take a little while. I don't think this is going to be Jeremy Foley's pursuit of uh, of uh, Urban Meyer back in the day when it was, you're my guy, I want you, I'm coming to get you before Notre Dame can, here's the money, let's roll. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I could be wrong, but that's the sense I get from talking to people is that this, this, this is not, this is not going to go the pace that a lot of people want it to go, but once. I do think this, once the Norvell domino drops, I think dominoes will start to drop. And they'll drop fast. And when that happens... Ole Miss, Ole Miss cannot afford to mess this one up. Got to get it right. Even if it means an extra two days, they got to get it right. Yeah, you, you can't... Don't worry about early signing day. Got to get don't it right. Don't worry about what McKinley Jackson's doing. You, you need a coach. Yep, got to get it right. First and foremost. And Sunday, Keith Carter, Venture Partners, big boy pants on. You, you made a big boy move to fire Matt Luke. It is time to make a big boy hire. I couldn't agree more. We'll leave it there. We'll come back next week. Assuming that there's – we probably will wait until a coaching search is complete. We'll uh, we'll get together and uh, we'll talk about what it means for recruiting. The early signing period begins December the 17th. We're taping this on December the 4th. You do the math. It's going to be crazy. So uh, – until that time, thanks again to our friends at Dead Soxy. Don't forget deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. Enter promo code Rebel Grove at checkout for 30% off all orders. For Zach Barry, I'm Neil McCready. Until next week, that does it for this Soft Verbal Podcast. Take care.